You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Okay, hi. Welcome to a special episode, actually, of our podcast series, Payments Innovation. This episode is actually a two-parter and done in conjunction with our friends and partners at Tribe Payments. We're going to be talking about acquiring and how acquirers need to think global but act local. I'm Richard Arundel, Chief Evangelist for Currency Cloud, and I'll be hosting the first part. Then I'll be handing over to Alex, who is Managing Director for Tribe, who will be picking up the, se- uh, the second part in their podcast series, to FinTech and Beyond. And you can comment who's got the best title for the, for the podcast. Um, now, we've got two experts on the panel today to help us navigate the topic. We've got Linda Stratton from Tribe Payments, and we've got Stefan Van der Plas from Currency Cloud. Linda, Stefan, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you um, very much. And it's a lovely purple curtain Linda has. Very Stephane. proud of my yeah, tribe Stephane purple get, curtain. <laughs> Stefan didn't get the orange curtain for Currency Cloud. First up, why don't, why don't you guys kind of introduce yourselves and kind of your expertise in acquiring. Jenny, why should people be listening to you about acquirers? Linda, over to you first. Sure. So I have been working and acquiring for probably about 11 years now. I started out at Barclaycard, so um, both in product and commercial roles, and a lot of my product work there was in different currency solutions. I've also worked at Elevard and across Europe in both product management and commercial roles, and then most recently across the Middle East and Africa for Network International, which was both an acquirer processor and an issuer processor. And again, worked in both product development roles and commercial roles, talking with clients and customers about their international expansions, because a lot of our customers at network would be in multiple different countries um, facing the same challenges that we're going to talk about today. But Stefan, before I come to you, Linda, for those of kind of currency cloud followers, they might not know what Tribe do. So kind of very high level kind of how do Tribe fit into this space? Sure. So Tribe build technology to allow our customers to be able to provide issuing solutions and acquiring solutions across the globe. Awesome. Thank you. That was a heavyweight introduction. So Stefan, follow that. (laughs) I want to follow. Thanks, Rich. Yeah, so similar to Linda, I've got about 10 years experience in the payment processing space. I've worked for a variety of companies in different operational partnership and commercial roles in the industry. I started working for at Paysafe, who we were a wallet moving into uh, payment facilitation, working closely with acquirers to offer a payment acceptance solution before moving to Trust Payments, who were a payment gateway, just obtaining their acquiring license and working in partnerships in terms of adding new payment methods, but also enhancing their currency offering on the acquiring platform. And finally, before joining Currency Cloud, I spent a few years at PPRO in a commercial role. And people provide access to local and alternative payment methods to PSPs and acquirers. So I really worked across the payments ecosystem and I've had the benefit of seeing it from different angles. Awesome. Well, listen, um, excited to have you both on the show. As I said, we've got kind of the experts here. So we're going to be talking about this topic of kind of thinking global but acting local when it comes to acquiring. But there's kind of two sides to that, which is why we're doing the, the, the podcast in, in two two parts. So firstly, we're coming at it from the merchant side in terms of how acquirers can help their merchants access kind of this, this global opportunity. And then and I'll be talking about that. And then Alex is going to pick up how acquirers themselves can then expand geographically. 
obviously we feel both are really necessary and, and warrant discussion, hence this two-parter. But let's dive into the first one. So how do acquirers enable their merchants to expand kind of globally or, or provide cross-border payments? But if we start with a basic problem that acquirers are trying to solve for their merchants, and, and Linda, I'll come to kind of you on this, maybe walk us through kind of what's happened over the last kind of few years and, and why this is such a hot topic at the moment. So I think oh, well, e-commerce has kind of boomed over the last few years, particularly because of COVID. We know that e-commerce has grown exponentially over the last couple of years. And I think people are now pushing out to, to alternative payment methods. They're pushing out to different countries, different jurisdictions. So, for example, if you're a European or a UK-based acquirer, then looking at how you can enable your merchants to sell their products and services abroad is is a new challenge so it's a lot of countries have their own kind of trends and their own payment methods so i think you know that that's just one of the considerations let alone language and how do you get things out there the currencies that you display how do you actually get paid how do you pay those merchants how do you settle them so i think because of the growth of e-commerce there's just new challenges that are, that are here all the time and I think currency, it starts with currency, but actually the list is pretty big if you're a merchant trying to, to expand abroad. And we're saying, Stefan, you know, maybe if you want to kind of opine on any of that, but basically what we're saying is to be relevant, because because e-commerce is now so global, to be relevant for acquirers, they have to service that, that global kind of expansion need for, for their merchants. Yeah, it's borderless, right? Yeah. Stefan, anything to add on that, or, or do you want to? Yeah, I, I think just echo, echoing what Linda said. I think it, not only have we seen a huge boom in e-commerce in terms of the, the growth, but also accelerated by by COVID. Even merchants that weren't online have had the need to start selling their goods online. So typical brick and mortars are moving online, and as we said, everything is becoming borderless. So it's really important to have the ability to sell across borders. We've got online consumers that are more savvy, uh, websites are improving, and people aren't being limited by the country where the merchant is. Realistically, when we're buying online, we're quite agnostic to where that merchant is located, and payment providers just need to support that for their merchants. Yeah, I think consumers are becoming more demanding as well. So if I go online, I want to be able to buy on my phone really fast and I want to use whatever payment method I want to use. And I expect it to be in my language, in my currency. Our expectations are growing as consumers. Therefore, I think the pressure for merchants and therefore acquirers to have those solutions ready is also growing. And yeah, I completely agree. I think we are we're needy because we're consumers, mm. right? And we're, we're very needy. And there's this expectation that everything happens at the palm of my, my smartphone. And I guess that started to happen pre-pandemic, but the pandemic has fueled that kind of expectation. So then if, you, if we dive into that issue for kind of merchants, what are the, we, we know they need to do it, but what are the challenges around? And maybe let's start with kind of cross-border payments and coming to you, Stefan. What are the main challenges facing a merchant who wants to go into this world, wants to kind of move into kind of a, a global e-commerce world? And who knows nothing about it? Because that's the other thing. I think, I mean, it, as you said, there, there are various challenges and, and Linda's already mentioned a few of them. I think it's, I guess it, it starts from potentially the increased cost of uh, processing internationally, but then goes into having to tailor your solution to the needs of your global consumer base. And so that goes from the, the choice of payment method, which uh, varies greatly from country to country, the language, but then, of course, the currencies, the FX considerations that are, that are all laid into that. 
if you look at just if we start from a, a currency perspective, which of course we uh, we speak about a lot, a, a currency cloud, an acquirer needs to provide the merchant the ability to support all of the different currencies of the customers he's looking to target and efficient, efficiently process those in the same manner that he would be processing his domestic currency. And then, and, and Linda, from, from your point of view, I think the need is there. The need's there both from a merchant, the need's there from an acquirer to stay relevant. There are, there's you know, a, a huge amount of kind of investment money that's gone into a lot of acquirers as well. So they, they need to kind of continue to expand and continue to repay their, their investors. So that's kind of the why they need to do it in terms of how they do this. So how are acquirers going to set up and how are they moving into this space? Because they may well have started their business as a, say, UK-focused acquirer. And suddenly over the last few years, there's a huge demand for international. What are the kind of some of the tools and some of the companies out there I'm kind of setting you up for kind of tribe, a tribe pitch? Um, but how, how do you kind of help some of these acquirers with, with this, this particular solution? Okay, so it's a slightly different question. So you're talking about how acquirers set up products and services for their merchants to be able to take their businesses abroad. Yeah, I think, well, there's there's a few kind of high level of simple things. So payment types, payment methods, how, you know, how I can pay, how, whether you have the, the right elements of your, your payments on your gateway. And it's different if you're talking about e-commerce versus face-to-face. So the, the, I'll, I'll stick with e-commerce for a moment, but we can cover face-to-face too. I think for so if I'm looking at a European-based acquirer that's going international, so yeah, sorry, merchant that's going international, I think from an acquirer perspective, I think Stefan's covered quite a lot of it. Currency is ultimately one of those things, but also language. So I think having a gateway that can be easily adapted into different languages, having multi-currency sitting on there. And I don't just mean the cur- where you type in your your credit card number at the end and it appears but actually having a full end-to-end multi-currency solution so customers feel like they're shopping in their own country and then they're knowledgeable I think providing one of the challenges for merchants over over requirers is that usually when you set up a business you set it up in a, a place that you know so you set it up in a country that you're fully aware of, probably where you live, so you understand behaviours. And actually, as you expand into different areas, you don't necessarily appreciate that there's different behaviours and different ways that people communicate and different payment methods. And I think being able to help merchants understand and learn the different payment types and the different trends that happen across different jurisdictions. I think acquirers their biggest challenge and the thing that tribe can help them most with is that it's a fast-paced moving industry and to hold the technology that allows you to enter all of these markets and to keep making changes with both compliance the, the regulations that you'll find in different countries you know how you can actually implement solutions into different countries the different currencies the different payment types that's a never-ending job for an acquirer to do what tribe do is take that pain away from acquirers that allows them to to plug into us and we've done all of that hard work because we operate across different markets and i think that's what the biggest challenge for acquirers is is keeping up the pace for multiple different markets you asked for a mess sales pitch. <laughs> no, this is good. And I think currency cloud themselves, actually, I think I think a big part of actually what you were saying there as well, and I'm not going to give the currency cloud pitch, I'll let Stefan do that, but I think the similarity between the brands is is 
we, we both kind of put ourselves forward as kind of thought leaders or, or sage brands because this is complex, right? You want the acquirers and your customers to focus on what they do well, which is looking after their merchants. The complexity of moving money, but you know, then then receiving money and then kind of acting like a local, they can't keep up with that. So that's where kind of tribe and you know, I'll let Stefan give the currency that pitch. But Stefan, and from your side, anything to add on on that? I think I think there's a lot of good points, and I think, and you you mentioned Linda around. The, understanding the markets that you're going into. And I think there are such huge varieties and that goes from price sensitivities, product availability in different markets, the delivery preferences. So it's a, it's a really challenging environment for, for a merchant to really have to optimize their business across so many different points. From our side, where, where we really come in, and, and you mentioned that the currency piece, which is really interesting that you mentioned the, the end-to-end. It's, it's not limited to just showing a different currency at the checkout, but it's also then the acquirer having the ability to support the collection of those currencies from the issuer through the, through the scheme, uh, but then also offering the ability to their merchants to be able to optimize the collection of, of those currencies themselves so that they keep as much margin as possible to be able to support the costs of doing business overseas. You asked for, for my pitch in there, Rich. I think that that's where, where Currency Cloud works with DSPs and acquirers is really to to optimize and to, to make the processing and support of those currencies much easier. In terms of, to your point, Linda, as well, of staying up to date, it's giving them the ability to increase the amount of currencies that they support without needing to increase the amount of relationships that they have, whether that be with service providers or banks, um, and to be able to, to sort of try and do that within, within that one environment as the amount of currencies that they support continues to increase. You don't have to name any names here, but I think it's always useful kind of bringing it to life. And like all good podcasts, we get together and we have a brief and we kind of try and follow that. And I'm going off brief here, so apologies for putting you both on the spot. But I think it's interesting to try and highlight where you've seen this done kind of really well, where actually acquirers or people within that kind of stack have said, actually, we've taken a global product and made it very local. And the the experience is, is very good, but also where you've seen that kind of quite badly what does that what does a kind of real clunky kind of user experience look like and does that just turn turn kind of buyers off automatically either of you can jump in on that if you can think of something off the top of your head not necessarily related to the currency piece but as a wider piece in terms of localizing and we we mentioned i think we'll touch upon it in more detail in the next part podcast around payment methods but how important it is to not use the way that you process something locally and apply and apply it globally just offering, and, and we've seen it many times, merchants via their providers going abroad and offering just Visa and MasterCard or just credit cards as payment methods and not being able to complete or to, to drive revenue in new countries by, not, by limiting themselves to the payment methods that they have in their domestic market. Payments is really, particularly in Europe, very fragmented and we, the, the habits of consumers and the way they pay really vary greatly and in if I pick a country very close to, to the UK, a merchant trying to sell by only offering debit or credit card solutions to the Netherlands would fail greatly by not providing the, the local bank transfer payment methods there, which account for 70 to 80% of e-commerce in that country. And there are many other examples that, that we could go through to really highlight how by not localizing that offering, you're not going to drive any, any sales when expanding to, to new geographies. Yeah, I think... I would add on to that. I think you're absolutely right. I think the biggest failing is not understanding the markets you're going into. The, the problem is with 
e-commerce merchants, they're not necessarily always aiming to go into those markets before they know it. So I think data play is a key point here in helping customers to, to think about things. And, and I've seen that used very well in the past. So where a business gets a certain amount of international transactions and they tend to follow their customers, so the merchant follows the customer. You know, so if I'm getting a lot of, I'm based in the UK, but I'm getting a lot of I'm going to say Chinese, right, because it's an easy thing, but you can plant this anywhere. Customers buying from my website, you're not ultimately going to know that before it happens. You don't necessarily plan always to launch your products and services from an e-commerce perspective into a country. So I think data plays a key point on helping the customers. And I think acquirers can help their customers with easy access to, to data to say, okay, so how many types of different card types have I got and then it helps you to then think okay there's a there's a need for my product in that particular market and I think that's where good reporting comes in and I've seen that used really well and I've seen that used really badly and that kind of helps you with where you're going in your strategic plans as a merchant. And that comes from someone who spent some time in product of course but it's always about always about data I think that's fascinating. I think I've got someone outside waving at me so it's very very distracting but that's fine. I'm a professional I'll carry on. I think that, that's really interesting. So now going back to, yeah, I guess we, we, we're just about up on time on, on this first part uh, before kind of Alex takes over. But I guess to summarize, is it just as simple from an acquiring point of view, is it just as simple as partnering with someone like Tribe, someone like Currency Cloud, who can take all of this pain away? Because they know they need to do it. They need to move relatively quickly to stay relevant in the market. I think, Linda, from your point, it's really, really interesting that it's not like they can plan exactly where they're going, their buyers are going to be. So they need to respond to that quite quickly. So it might be another chance for a pitch, but really, is it just as simple as you know, we need someone to take this off our hands to connect to kind of one, ideally one or two providers who can, who can help us solve this issue. And there are people like Karis Cloud, like Tribe out there who can say, actually, we've got exactly the right tools for you. So you can continue doing what you do best, which is servicing your ever expanding global kind of merchant merchant base yeah i think for me i think if you think about the really big acquirers they have huge investments and product development teams that isn't the case for everybody and to be able to support your customers wanting to go into to new markets and even yourself wanting to go into new markets as an acquirer imagine the product roadmap and the development stack that would come with that and not just the one time but the cons you know, the constant change that's happening all the time. For you to actually do that as an acquirer and do it really well is one, really expensive if you're doing that all yourself and two, just an enormous amount of work to, to get through. I think that's where acquirer processor comes in to its own is because actually we do that work and that's what we concentrate on. That's what we're really good at. So you can, you know, as an acquirer, go to market with your merchants, with your propositions, but we we do the hard work of the technology and making sure that it's up to date, making sure that we're compliant, understanding the different markets and the legislation that goes on there and different regulations that have to be followed, the payment types, and and they're all plugged in. So I think from you know prop our proposition, we're here to make it easier for acquirers to expand, in turn, make it easier for merchants to also. Stefan. Yeah, and I think it's, as you said, it's not probably not as simple as just partner, picking one partner and, and partnering up with that. And I think, well, just Tribe and Currency Cloud here would provide very different levels or different 
parts of the support that that a that an acquirer would need to globalize their their solution. But so I think there are two things: a picking partners as Tribe or Currency Cloud, when we deal certainly with just the, the currency piece, wh- whether that be from collecting or paying out additional currencies, or even expanding the solution to provide accounts to pay suppliers that are increasingly global. So it's picking the right partners for the different parts of the value chain that is becoming more global, as well as really educating the merchants, which I think is really important, on, on what to expect before launching an international solution. So I think there's a, there's a huge education piece that starts from the experts. We use our Sage brand to provide that, that knowledge to acquirers who are looking to expand and then in turn to provide that to, to merchants to try and reduce the amount of unexpected surprises that would come from, from globalizing the solution. Awesome. Listen, thank you both. I think you know, in, in summary, I think we're looking at the fact that consumer demand market opportunity have just driven people to, to cross-border that, that, as, as I think Linda put it at the beginning, it's borderless. Most e-commerce is global now, but it's pretty hard. It's pretty difficult. You know, cross-border payments, we, and we use this line, they shouldn't be hard, but they really are. And I think we mentioned, we only mentioned the compliance word once in this, but it's a huge, but you know, wherever, wherever we say we're payments companies, whatever it is, we're in the compliance game. I say this a lot. And the good news is for, for these acquirers that there is people like Tribe, people like Currency Cloud, to, to help them through this journey. I'm going to pause it there. Let Alex pick up on the second part, which is going to be really interesting, which is about the globalization stage, about taking acquirers into um, kind of new markets, a um, whole different set of challenges, but equally as, as important. But Stefan and Linda, thank you for, for the first part. Go and have a coffee, refresh, and then we'll uh, redo the makeup and we'll, we'll be back, back in shortly for the second part of the episode. Thank you. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Rich. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.